0: Rolling Stones magazine released an updated version of the top 500 albums of all time. A list like this was bound to spark controversy, so I'm here to give my opinion on how these albums stack up. I'm Gibbs, and welcome to The Rolling Review. What is up, everybody? Gibbs here with number 413 on The Rolling Stones' Top 500 Greatest Albums of All Time list. It's Creedence Clearwater Revival with Cosmosis Factory. Cosmos' Factory is the fifth studio album by the American rock band Cretan's Clearwater Revival, which from here on out I'll probably just refer to them as CCR. It was released on July 8th of 1970, recorded 1969 through 1970 at the Wally Heider studio in San Francisco, California. The genre of the album is roots rock and blues rock, released on the Fantasy label and produced by John Fogarty. Out of the 11 tracks on this album, there were 6 of them that were released as singles, so that's really good one over half your album is released as singles. Those were Travelin' Band and Who Will Stop the Rain, which were released together on one single in January of 1970. Up Around the Bend and Run Through the Jungle were released together in April of 1970. Looking out my back door, and I heard it through the grapevine. The title for this album came from a warehouse in Berkeley, California, where the band rehearsed in their early career. It was dubbed the Factory by the drummer of CCR, Doug Cosmos Clifford, because band leader John Fogerty made them practice there almost every day. This album is known for being one of CCR's more diverse albums when it came to their musical range, and really helped lay the foundation for a sound that they were known for that would be dubbed more as a swamp rock sound. They used parts of R&B for tracks like Before You Accuse Me and My Baby Left Me. I Heard It Through the Grapevine, and Long As I Can See the Light had more of a soul feel to it. Looking Out My Back Door was more of a country-based song, and then they used their rockabilly and classic rock and roll inspiration for tracks like Ooby Dooby and Travelin' Band, while Ramblin' Tamble had more of a psychedelia feel to it. Different things went on to inspire CCR when writing this album. Traveling Band would be inspired by 1950s rock and roll songs, and really narrowed down to those by Little Richard. And in 1972, the company that held the publishing rights to Little Richard's Good Golly Miss Molly felt that Travelin' Band bore enough similarities to warrant a plagiarism lawsuit that was later settled out of court. The song's flip side, with the single that was released on Who Will Stop the Rain, was a way different feel, and Fogarty would tell Uncut in 2012 that Travelin' Band was a salute to to Little Richard, but Who Will Stop the Rain was part of the fabric of the times. From 1968 to 1974, Vietnam was probably the most important thing on the minds of young people, and run through the jungle mind-similar territory, with many listeners believing the lyrics to be about the war. According to the band's bassist, Stu Cook, the song's opening and closing both feature jungle sound effects created by Lots of backwards recording guitar and piano, so using a little bit of different effects there. The harmonica part on the song was played by John Fogerty. The song was also Rhythm Guitar's Tom Fogerty's favorite CCR song, saying that his all-time favorite Creedence tune was Run Through the Jungle. It's like a movie in itself, with all the sound effects... It never changes key, but it holds your interest in the whole time. It's like a musician's dream. It never changes key, yet you get the illusion it does. Looking Out My Back Door was a direct tribute to Bakersfield Sound, a form of music that influenced John Fogerty and the Creedence Sound at the time. Buck Owens, one of the architects of the Baker Sound, is even mentioned in the song's lyrics. The song is known for its upbeat tempo, its down-home feel, and change in key and tempo towards the end. The song's lyrics, filled with colorful, dreamlike imagery, led some to believe that the song was about drugs. According to the drug theory, the flying spoon, in the song was a cocaine spoon, and the crazy animal images were an acid trip. Fogarty, however, has repeatedly stated in interviews that the song was actually written for his then three-year-old son, Josh. It's amazing to me that whenever these artists get caught possibly writing a song about an acid trip or something, they tend to blame it on their children as on a non-related album to this, but I'm sure we'll get to an album later on. The Beatles' John Lennon famously wrote the song Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds who origins are assumed to be LSD but then he says that it was his son's drawing and he wrote made this drawing and then he asked him what the drawing was and he said oh it's Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds and that supposedly influenced the song so it's kind of funny that whenever there's a song that might be about an acid trip, everyone tends to just blame their child about it. Fogarty had also said that the reference to a parade passing by was inspired by a Dr. Seuss book, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street. So again, kind of blaming it on children's things that you wrote a song about drugs. CCR at the time was... Known for kind of shorter tracks, more singles than anything, and their tightly arranged songs. But Cosmos's Factory did feature two longer cuts on this album, the seven-minute opener of Ramble Tamble and the 11-minute cover of Marvin Gaye's I Heard It Through the Grapevine. But although these tracks were longer and had a jam f- feel to them, They were very far from just a jam environment. They were very thought out and rehearsed and left little room for any kind of improv during it. They even said that during the live versions of these tracks that there'd be a little bit of extra noodling or soloing, but they always tried to really nail the arrangement down in the studio and... They didn't really differ from that too much when playing live. The cover photo for this album is by Bob Fogarty, who is the brother of John and Tom, who are both in the band. As David Kaufman said in 2012, he worked for Uncut, the album's front cover showed the four of them caught by a camera in an off-duty moment, a proudly uncool quartet who looked more like lumberjacks than rock stars. In 2013, Doug Clifford recalled to Goldmine, John knew the press would be all over us for the album, so he said that he would name the album after me and that I would have to deal with it. He wanted the pressure off of him. It was our biggest album ever, and I tell people that they named it after me, so it had to be a hit. That's a joke. The handwritten third generation sign affixed to the support post at the left of the photo is a reference to a liner note on the band's debut album by rock music critic Ralph Gleason. He said, Creedence Clearwater Revival is an excellent example of the third generation of San Francisco bands, wrote Gleason, with the meaning being they weren't quite as good as the Grateful Dead or Quicksilver Messenger service. The release of this album was met with positive reviews. It was known to be their commercial zenith. It was their fifth album in two years and became an international smash topping the album's charts in six different countries. It also spent nine consecutive weeks in the number one position on the Billboard 200 chart. This album did do rather well in the sales department as well, being certified silver in the United Kingdom, gold in Finland, and four times platinum in the United States. It was included on Rolling Stone's earlier version of this list in the 2003 version of the list it was ranked all the way up at 265 and then moving down to 413 on the revised 2020 list when putting this album on this list rolling stone had this to say about it quote cosmos's factory was ccr's third classic album in under a year john fogarty began it with the seven minute power to go ramble tamble raging against actors in the white house The hits include the country travelogue looking out my back door, the Vietnam nightmare run through the jungle, the Little Richard tribute traveling band, and the stack-styled ballad song Long As I Can See the Light. But the triumph is CCR's 11-minute cowbell craze jam on I Heard It Through the Grapevine. Proof these guys could mix hippie visions with populist grit." This is a very impressive album. I didn't realize, I'd never sat down and listened to this full album, but I didn't realize this is basically like a greatest hits album for CCR because every track that's on it is just one that got a lot of airplay and I had heard before and they'd been just really popular tracks on it, and I was just really impressed that you think about writing albums, I mean, I think they said this was their fifth album in two years, which I remember when I watched a documentary about CCR a while back, they said that John Fogerty was the type that he wanted to write an album, tour, come back, write an album, tour, come back, write an album, because at that time he was afraid that if you didn't keep putting something new out there, people would forget about you, and you wouldn't have that success any longer, because people would have moved on to something else, so he always wanted to be putting a new album out there for people to listen to, and touring in front of them, so they could see them live, and just stay engaged with the band, which is just impressive, that's a lot of work for all the band members to... Constantly be moving and putting in that much effort, and you have to just think about what a draining time that has to be as the members in that band. Because you think it nowadays, some bands will take two, three years to just put out their next album, sometimes even longer. I know some bands have waited upwards to almost 10 years to put out another album, and You just think about these guys just constantly working and trying to put something out there to listen to and still being able to do that at a high level because there's being able to put out an album tour, put out an album tour, and so on, and you're putting out more diluted stuff every time and kind of losing what maybe people had liked about you to begin with but to constantly be putting out really good work every time that you're doing this and put out that many albums within a two-year span and have it be something that is still getting people's attention and still so memorable to a lot of people that still listen to music today I mean a lot of the tracks on this album are something that I mean, obviously, if you listen to mainstream radio, you're not going to hear, but you turn on any kind of classic rock station and/or even a classic rock playlist on something like Spotify or Tidal or Pandora or whatever, and you're going to hear a lot of these songs on that station. So, in that regard, it's definitely an album that stands the test of time just because it has so many of those tracks that, like I said, just still are getting the radio play. Another thing that I realized from this album that I hadn't prior known was just the musicianship of John Fogerty. I knew that he was the driving force behind this whole band, and he would go on to have a solo career, but I didn't realize his talents stretched as far as they did. I mean, on this album, he plays lead guitar, he does lead vocals, he does piano, electric piano, keyboards, he plays the saxophone, harmonica, and he also produced and arranged this whole album, and I just think that that's just amazing that he is a man of so many talents, and it comes through great. Everything sounded really good on this album but that's not to say that this album didn't really have its fault, because it did, and I honestly I feel with a track that he didn't even write is one of the tracks that I liked the least on this album, and that was Ooby Dooby. I just didn't feel like there was a lot going on with that track. It didn't really have a, a lot going on Lyrically, I should say, because musically, instrumentally, the album was very good and I liked the whole feel of it, but the lyrics just seemed silly, not thoughtful. And kind of looking in and seeing that that was a track that he didn't really write, I guess I can't really put a knock on him so much or the band because that's not really their track, but it's still kind of why would they include that on their album? But I don't know, maybe they were trying to get... Because it does kind of have a, a little bit of... Probably what they were known for leading into this album. It probably had that more of a feel to it. And it was only about a two minute long track. But I just feel like it it wasn't a strong track. And I feel like the silliness of it kind of took away from... The rest of the album just being so good and being hit after hit. And then you have this kind of oddball track just thrown in the middle of it I did feel like the majority of this album is kind of a fast-paced album even with something maybe a little slower like I heard it through the grapevine or there might be another slower track on the album but I felt like the majority of this album is kind of a fast beat you're kind of chugging through at a certain point and then it ends on this really slower than the most of the tracks on the album song long as I can see the light and when this track first started I thought well that's kind of an interesting choice to end on this slower track but really it was a good choice I loved the choice to end with this track because it just had so much emotion behind it and it had a lot of different musical parts going along you had a nice saxophone part throughout the album and just John Fogarty's vocals on this track in particular are just so impressive you get a lot of emotion out of him on this track and I really like that I like that when you listen to a band do a song or just an artist in general and they're not just up there singing you the lyrics they're up there making you feel the lyrics and you really got that out of this track and honestly CCR is probably one of my favorite bands from back in that time period and they just do such a good job on this whole album so I don't think it's any surprise really and it could be partial bias here but I'm leaving this album right where it is for the time being because I honestly don't see I mean I haven't obviously listened to the albums yet in front of it but I don't see why Rolling Stone would knock it down so far just because I do feel like this is just such a great album from start to finish with the exception of the one track that I didn't like Ooby Dooby but you know I'll forgive that little blunder on the album because the rest of the album is just hit after hit with this band and just as I mentioned before impressive that after putting out 5 albums in a 2 year span that they could still be able to put something out that was as great as this album. So, it's going to stay right where it is at 413. You can always let me know what you think by reaching me the rolling review at yahoo.com, going over to Facebook like in the fan page, I'll post up the updated version of my list there. Next time, we'll have Smokey Robinson and the Miracles with Going to a Go-Go. Until then, I'm Gibbs, this is The Rolling Review, stay safe, and be kind.